coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances. A listener's question sends us down a wandering path of how to plan for short-term and long-term goals at the exact same time. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed, and please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. And once again, we welcome Matt Trogdon, certified financial planner to the show. Great to see everybody. Likewise. Dan, how was your Halloween? Your daughter, did you do the trick-or-treating thing? I I had a pretty light showing in my neighborhood this year. But as everybody's coming down off their sugar high, what what was that like for you? Our neighborhood's pretty active. And this year was going to be a good one because we were going to take my daughter out and actually go house to house. Unfortunately, she was sick, so wasn't really feeling up for going and doing the whole trick-or-treating thing. Um, We sat out in front to hand candy out to the kids that were coming. That was fun for a little bit until she was over that and wanted to go inside. Uh, I left my wife out in front uh, to, to be responsible for the candy supply. Moments later, she came inside, left the basket out, no more than two minutes had passed before we returned to the front step. All the candy is gone. And my daughter's Halloween basket was gone, uh, which was a little bit upset. My neighbors heard me say some things, which they might have been the first time they've heard such things in their lives. This is a family-friendly show, Dan. We don't need you to repeat that stuff. I hope I never repeat that stuff ever again. My daughter took it way better than I did. She was like, oh, someone wanted to share my basket with me. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. She did the sharing involuntarily. She involuntarily shared her basket. Yeah. So so we made it to a couple houses, and she was thrilled to get some candy. Uh, she enjoyed a lollipop, and you know the night ended well. But um, she dressed up as a pumpkin. She was very excited to be a pumpkin. Well, it sounds like she had a decent night, despite how you may have felt about it. Yeah, I felt I felt negative about it, but I was glad that she enjoyed it. That's That's the most important part. Glad to hear that. Well, we're going to kick off today's show. We've got a listener question from Tyler. Now, for those of you that also have questions, check your balances at Outlook.com. That's the email address for our show. Uh, And we're going to send Tyler a check your balances mug for sending in a question because we love that. Helps us uh, with what you all want to hear as our listeners. But anyway, thank you, Tyler. So here's what he says. He's in his late 20s, works in the entertainment industry as a television editor. Loves his job, but it's freelance, so not a lot of job security. Uh, He had some time off during COVID and the lockdowns. uh, But before the lockdowns, he had a higher cash pile than we would probably recommend. So during those six months, he was completely fine financially. Good for you. Uh, Had a pay raise recently and now doesn't have any student loans. So I'm going to pause right there in his question so that we can applaud that. That is awesome. You are killing it, Tyler. Absolutely. So good work. As a result of the pay increase, net worth is now 54% in cash, 46% invested in the market through some 401ks, Roth IRAs, health savings account, and an investment account. Sounds like he's been listening to our have a brokerage account advice. 
He says, so now here's my question. Since I have more cash coming in because I don't have the student loans, should I invest more in the market? I have two years worth of cash, but I have some big life events potentially coming up, such as a wedding, buying a house. I think you can figure out where I live and know that home prices can be crazy expensive. Or should I convert my 401k to a traditional IRA and then convert it to a Roth IRA and reap the benefits later in life? Let me know your thoughts when you have a moment. Tyler, that's awesome. Congrats to you. A lot to unpack in that question. And I think it gives us a good jumping off point, both to give you a little bit of a response, as well as to talk about some of the things that I think you're you're dealing with at a bigger picture level. Now, Dan, do you know where Tyler lives? I, I was curious if you had a, a take on that. Oh, that that's not all I know, Ross. Tyler, I know a lot about you. No, I, I thought it was really funny that he thought we could figure out where he lives. Maybe if we did some investigation and some Googling, we'd find out. But Tyler, your identity is safe for now. I mean, he says television industry, so I've got to assume California. That, that's where my mind went, California or New York. That's my guess, too. Maybe I know so many like mid-market TV people that, that I'm not boxed in in that way. You're, you're well-connected in the TV scene, Dan. You've, you've got a lot of contacts there. So well connected. I have the weather TV market on lockdown. All right. Fair enough. Uh, well, I, I don't have those contacts, so I assume California. But either way, you're dealing with a couple things here, Tyler, that I think a lot of our listeners may be. Uh, and I'm going to broaden it just a little bit because I think what you're dealing with is having some short-term goals while you're dealing with your long-term planning. Uh, and Matt, you're joining us today because I think you feel like you're in a, a pretty similar situation to Tyler here. Yeah, I do. I am actually, it sounds like, in a very similar situation to Tyler in that I also have a a good-sized cash cushion at the moment, much more than I would normally hold. And the reason for that is that I also have some short-term goals or at least some uncertainty around potentially having some short-term goals. Um, We have a wedding coming up, my fiancé and I, that there could be uh, a cost for that we might have to fit the bill for. Uh, and there's also potential new home purchase as a possibility as well. Don't know if the new home purchase is definitely going to happen. We know the wedding is going to happen. We don't know exactly what the wedding is going to look like at this point. But because I have those two fairly immediate goals in the next year or two, I am holding a lot more cash than I would normally. So Tyler's question definitely resonated with me and, and intrigued me enough that I wanted to come in on. Are, are, are you actually Tyler in disguise and you just lobbed a question in for our show today? I am not Tyler in disguise, but I wouldn't mind living in sunny Southern California if that in fact is where Tyler uh, lives because I do like the beach and I do like the sun and I don't mind the traffic. So Or chilly Milwaukee. We don't know. We don't know. So my mind, as I was unpacking this and starting to look at his goals, the first place my mind went to was the cash cushion, the emergency reserve, right? So he starts by saying he's a freelancer, so there's no job security. And typically, the number that's thrown around for emergency savings is three to six months. That's where you want to be to be secure. But if you're in a job where income security isn't the same as it is with you know, traditional employer W-2 role, we'd recommend a higher cash cushion. So maybe six months would be the low end of what we'd recommend. As you can hear from Tyra's question, he was actually out of work for six months. So that would that would have just covered the time he was out of work during COVID. 
and potentially up to a year of cash cushion for someone who's freelancing or self-employed. And even if you're not just thinking about COVID and, and what's going on in recent history, entertainment has had strikes and all sorts of union things go on in the past. So, I mean, there there have been extended periods where you might be out of work if you're in that industry. Um, you know, I, I think of the writer's strike, and I think they're talking about another one coming up. So, um, yeah, it definitely seems like an industry that you've got to be prepared to take some bumps and bruises along the way. And and so as we look at the percentages that someone may have in cash, if we are talking about a year of cash cushion and you're in your late 20s or you know early on in your career, that might be a significant percentage of your net worth and that might not be the wrong thing to do. So I wouldn't focus so much on the percentages, especially if your net worth isn't where it's going to be later on in your career, but just making sure that you're checking the right boxes for why you have the amount you do in cash versus equities versus alternative assets. And I definitely get the sense that he's doing that. But let's think about, basically, we've got three goals here, right? We've got a home, we've got financial independence in the long run, and we've got a wedding. If I were to guess, the wedding is probably the least important to really commit tons of capital to, right? Of those three, Matt Matt's given me a funny look as I say that. Matt is is the wedding the more important one than the home? Financially, I agree with you. Emotionally and relationship wise, I would say that that might be another department that we aren't qualified to comment on. Well, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that the wedding is not an important thing or that it's not. I mean, I look, look, I'm I'm in the wedding business, right? In my side hustle, I, I I very much appreciate the spending of money on weddings. Uh, what I'm I guess I'm saying is, if you were if you had a dollar and you were going to allocate it to those three things, would you give the highest weight to the wedding? Because the wedding you could cut costs in a number of ways, right? The the number one thing that drives cost at a wedding is headcount. The fewer people you can invite the more cost-effective your wedding's going to be. Now, that's tough if you've got a really big family, uh, but the more disciplined you can be in kind of keeping that head count down, and I'm not saying take your friends and like you know exclude them, but if it's not really important to you to have a big wedding, I think that's going to be the number one way you control costs there, and that may be more important to do if you've got these other things that are pressing where the home is going to generate long-term Number one, stability. It's not going to expose your housing costs to as much inflation. You're going to lock in that home price and then hopefully build wealth through paying down the debt over time. And the financial independence long term, I think, is is an, a critical one. But it's the toughest to really visualize, especially in your 20s, if you've got these competing issues. Right. And you think you have three or four decades to make up on retirement saving. It's, it's not like you're pushing that out years, it's like, well, let me get through this wedding that's coming up in the next year. And then I can focus on retirement savings. I have plenty of cash flow to to do that. One thing that jumps out to me from Tyler's comment, and I think he might be wrestling with it, is there might be a little bit of fear of missing out here if we're not investing more in stocks or if not if, if we're not investing more in just riskier assets generally. So I think because we've had such a great run in the stock market over the last decade, uh, the few weeks in COVID 2020 notwithstanding, I think that there is, you know, there's quite a desire to put your money to work as quickly as you can, especially as you're young. And I think part of that is 
because of good advice, right? You're never going to be able to get the years back um, that you could have been investing. But I think it's okay to balance that with saying we should save up for some other goals in a safe place because we do have some big purchases that we need to make in the short term, be it a wedding or be it a house. It's okay to keep some money in cash if you have that money earmarked for something especially. Um, And we don't need to necessarily fear like we're missing out because we're holding a higher cash cushion than we might otherwise. I 100% agree with that. And and we talk a lot about safe money and kind of your next five years worth of expenses being in something exceptionally safe, which for me is generally liquid cash and kind of savings, like a high yield savings account. It might be some CDs. It might be some very high quality bonds kind of on that fourth and fifth year worth of what we think you're going to need. But those are generally my categories for a five year long run rate. So if you think that you're going to be getting married in the next five years, then yeah, I agree with holding a higher cash percentage. I guess I'm just trying to think about how you weigh whether or not you are harming those longer term or maybe more important goals. And I think that that's really where my mind went, which is, should you be saving for something like the wedding if you haven't determined that you're on track for some of these other things? And I think that's where financial planning is really so critical, right? You could run, for example, a financial planning projection and simply exclude the cash that you're expecting to pay for a wedding, right? If you just looked at X wedding cash, does this allow us to still make a down payment on a home? And are we on track for financial independence long term? then maybe it's great, right? You you can be completely resourced for that. That's really the question for me is, does paying for that wedding harm the track record that you're on? Is it worth working to 65 instead of 62, if that's what you were targeting, right? Because that's a weird question to answer for yourself when you're in your 20s. You don't know yourself as a 60-year-old. You may not even get there, right? Like there's a million things that are going to happen in your life between now and that decision. Do you let that sort of a tracking kind of send you off course this early in your life? So in terms of the opportunity the cash presents for him, he mentioned a wedding. He mentioned the home. One thing that nobody loves spending money on, but he threw into the bucket as well, is taxes. He has cash and asked whether he should be considering a Roth conversion which I also really appreciate that his mind is going there. And if he has money to pay the taxes, that could be something he should be looking at. And it it might help meet that last goal that you were talking about, which is retirement. So what kinds of things, if you were Tyler, would you be thinking about as you evaluated whether a Roth conversion was right for him? Well, so this is going to be an unfortunate answer, but the ideal year to do the Roth conversion was last year if he spent six months out of work. Anytime you've got dips in income, reductions in income, that is a perfect time to be targeting Roth conversions because it generally means that you've got room to do those conversions at lower tax rates. Now that he's at the higher level of income, that opportunity uh, has a little bit passed. Uh, so, so anytime you've got a, a low income year, we want to be looking for that or at least considering a Roth conversion because I think those are great times to look for it. Now, his income trajectory may still be steeply on the upswing. So just because you're at a higher income this year doesn't mean it won't be higher than that next year, right? We don't necessarily want to plan for that level of optimism where we're saying, okay, income is always going to go up because you can get yourself into trouble if you do it that way. But 
you certainly could still be on the upswing if you know that industry and you know where your income could, might be over the next five to 10 years, it might still be a great time to do Roth conversions. So I don't want to say that it's not good to be thinking that way. Um, but definitely, that's what I would be evaluating is what do I think my income is likely to do over the coming five to 10 years? I think another thing Tyler will want to consider is when he gets married, depending on what his partner's income level is, is that going to put them in a higher tax bracket than he is paying now as a single filer, right? So if if his partner is a baller and he's going to move into a higher tax bracket after he gets married, then doing a Roth conversion before he gets married might make sense. But we don't know that because we don't know his partner's income. Likely, you could also see the other thing happen, right? Even if they've got equal incomes, you could see your tax rate drop as soon as you go into that married filing jointly bucket. So as soon as you are going to have that marriage on the books, you might then open up the Roth conversion opportunity when you do that. So I think you could look at it either way. So I'm not sure how relevant it is because Tyler has done such a great job saving, it looks like. And by the way, filling all of the buckets. When If you want to talk about a good example of where you should be saving, look at what he listed he was doing. 401ks, Roth IRAs, if that's eligible to you, HSAs, investment account, cash. He is crushing it. So if if I listed something and you're not sure whether you're doing that, you should look into it because that's probably a good idea for for many of you out there. Or maybe they should be going to Tyler for advice. Who knows? Yeah. Look Tyler up next time you're in uh, Seattle. But one advantage of Roth IRAs as well is you can access principal. So in the pre-tax accounts, it's basically trapped there until you're retired and you can access it and pay taxes. One thing that I think is not talked about as often as it should be because people don't want to be robbing their Roth IRAs often, but you can access your contributions in those accounts earlier if you need them. So that can be a, a great place to stuff money into. Uh, especially early on without worrying like it's going to be trapped for the future if you need it. Ross, to go back to your point and to tie it in with what Daniel was saying, Tyler has shown such good habits already that if we're going to back to the question of the trade-off between a wedding, between wedding costs and down the road retirement planning, it sounds like what Tyler needs to do is maybe figure out how much he and his partner are willing to spend on a wedding figure out a re- what they think is a reasonable amount and then really have the conversation with each other and say, you know, for every dollar we go over this amount, there's an opportunity cost there. And that opportunity cost is investing for the future. I think Tyler has enough good habits that or shown enough good habits that they're not going to blow out their budget, but it's still worth having that conversation. I think you're probably right. And and certainly if you're engaged and and going down that path towards getting married, the combined finances may look very different than, than what he's been doing individually. Uh, and I think that that's a common place where financial planners come in to kind of bridge the gap a little bit, which is that you may have two completely different ideologies in terms of your finances, or you might be completely on the same page. But starting to have that conversation either privately together, I think is really important, uh, or bringing in a financial planner uh, whether it's local or, or whatever, that's going to be able to help you start to integrate those things and kind of build one unified system. I think that's a a great time to do it. Right. When you introduce another person, that can be a lot of pressures on your good habits. So I'm not saying this will happen, but if you're saving for a wedding with some 
undetermined goal at the end, which is why I do think it's important to talk about, your philosophy may simply be, well, we have the money to pay for that. I have it in cash. Let's sign off on it. And I think that's the easiest way to get in trouble with weddings is everything can be very expensive. So if you just are saving a lot of money in stockpiling cash, you might just feel like you can spend whatever is there on the wedding. And there will be ways to do that instead of having a cap and then planning your wedding around what you've set aside. And then you can start to prioritize whether you'd rather have more people there or, you know, a fancier venue or Ross DJing your wedding. You know, those those are the trade-offs you can talk about rather than just feeling like I have the money. We may as well spend it. So one of our uh, mutual friends, and I'm not sure uh, if she listens to the podcast, but when they got married, they wanted they did a little bit more of a casual reception, but they told the hotel that it was a family reunion. And on the day of the event, the, the hotel actually found out that it was really a wedding. And I think they did that because anytime you add the name wedding to like anything, your price could quite frankly double uh, in some cases. And on some things, I think it's probably relevant that they know that it's a wedding, but on many, it's not. And and simply, you know, saying, "Hey, we're having a family gathering." Maybe that's a maybe that's a nice way to cut costs. It depends on how you're doing it, and you know whether it's a all inclusive catering hall or something like that, or if you're doing separate uh, vendors for those pieces. But I always thought that was kind of a a fun way that they played games with with the hotel, at least. I've heard that for cakes, when you're ordering a cake, just describing what you want and not mentioning it's a wedding cake and price drops. It's a family reunion cake? Yeah. We need a family reunion cake that has a uh, a bride and a groom on top of it. Can you do that for me? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a father of the bride watch party, and uh, this is an integral piece to my decorations. I like it. I like how we're now trying to game the wedding industry. I love it. One other thing that jumped out to me about Tyler's question was he mentioned, he said, now I'm getting a raise or I've gotten a raise and, you know, so I'm going to be saving the money or I want to think about the money a little bit differently. Um, and so getting a raise is obviously a wonderful thing. Um, it's also a really important financial planning moment um, because getting a ra- if you get a raise and you don't save the money or you don't purposely save the money, that is, you you introduce the possibility of some lifestyle creep there, um, and we see it in our plans when we run plans for people. It, you know, if you get used to an inflated lifestyle, um, then the projections for your plans take that into account, and we, and you know, and we assume that you're going to be used to that lifestyle for the rest of your life. So, you know, if you can, if you can put some of that raise away, save, save at least some of that raise, not let your lifestyle creep up as much. That's going to pay some serious dividends down the road. I get the impression that he's really doing that. I agree with you. I, I think that w- my comment there was less for Tyler and more for anybody else who's out there getting a raise these days. Tyler feels like he could be teaching us some financial planning lessons today. Right. And, and the one thing I'd like everyone to keep in mind is there are certainly a lot of variables we don't have. So it's hard to give direct guidance to Tyler. Nor are we giving direct advice to Tyler. This is not personalized financial advice. Except Tyler, when you go to book your wedding, do not say the word wedding. You are booking a family gathering or a watch party for friends or something. That that is direct advice from Daniel Maseka, not as a financial planner. This is a your buddy. So next time I visit you in Dallas, Texas, Tyler, 
we can have a beer and talk about your strategy for booking your wedding. But, you know, we so Tyler does mention all those avenues he's saving. Again, we don't know what rates he's saving into those vehicles. So the contribution limits for 401ks can be pretty high. A lot of people think if they're maxing out the match that they've checked that box. You can always go higher. So, you know, just because you're doing something into a Roth IRA, a 401k, an HSA, you can top those buckets off if you're getting raises and if you're not already doing so. So I think those are things you'll want to look at as well. Um, and then, you know, that's a great way to allocate cash as it, that you're getting in a raise, as Matt talked about. Tyler, congrats on all the success. We appreciate the question. For those of you out there that want to hear us debate where you might be from, again, you can send your questions to check your balances at outlook.com. We appreciate you all tuning in, and we will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.